Hello. 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 Ready? Hello. Yeah. Ready. Okay, fine. Welcome to the Welcome first to the- episode of Total Football Podcast. I'm your host Harsh and today I'm joined by my very good friend Tis Ahmed who has a who has a podcast of his own called All About United. Uh and uh, yeah it's that time of the year again it's the Champions League the time we've all been waiting for the greatest club competition in the world and we're all excited about it. So let's get Ahmed's thoughts first. What are your thoughts mate going into the Champions League? Confident? Yeah, yeah I'm absolutely excited with this uh, round of 16 coming up. I think this is uh exciting uh, champions league round of 16 fixtures that's been probably been around in few years so i think yeah i'm absolutely buzzing and i can't wait to see uh, how the matches unfold so yeah of course uh, hemant is a united fan as you can see by his channel name so hemant what a turnaround it has been for you in the past two months since oli has come into the club he's just he's just applied his own ideas he's given the players freedom to go out there and express themselves how great has he been please tell us yeah uh, to be to be fair i know oligana solsha was someone who came to manchester united just to steady the ship i mean like there were no expectations from oli you know the board of manchester united had written this season off because you know jose mourinho came in at manchester united he tried to implement his own philosophy that didn't work out and then obviously when his things don't work out then he obviously moans so and due, uh, due to that uh, he just made manchester united a mess and the club was losing it, uh, its identity so i think edward wood i think it was high time for him for probably you know uh, you know to realize the fact that you know uh, he's losing his club and he has to steady the ship and he needs to get in someone who can you know get this players happy and you know probably you know uh, make realize uh, everyone that you know they the playing for the badge and they have to play well and they have to play out out of the hearts so i think oli has come in he uh, himself was a player at manchester united and he he was one of the most iconic players and as he was uh, the uh, part of one of the most iconic moments of manchester united's history that was probably the treble winning uh, moment where oli scored you know the goal that was absolutely amazing so i think yeah oli realizes what manchester united is all about oli knows the tradition he knows the philosophy he uh, he even knows what a player should be doing i mean like uh, you know he wants his players to give everything and he that's what something that's he been uh, that's that's been uh, his philosophy and that's that's what something he's been doing and you know to be honest i've been saying this a lot i mean like my feeling has also uh you know has also get uh, need to get the credit i mean like michael is someone who is very experienced and has worked under under sir alex ferguson and he is someone who has given a lot of input to oligana solsha because oligana solsha you know as a manager he didn't have a very good experience he got relegated with cardiff and then he went to norway uh, and managed mold uh, which is not a very big club to be honest in europe but still he did a very good job but i think Mike Feelings input is also very important. I think, I think, uh, you know, Oli has just done a miracle. I mean, like, I can't just expect anything. He's done. He's absolutely turned this around for Manchester United, and I think he's just, uh, you know, made us happy. He's made the players happy. He's won. He's made everyone happy. So I think, yeah, I think Oli's been brilliant, brilliant. I don't, and I think, you know, you know, Manchester United fans are right. Like getting to. you know uh, pleased about oli and i think and like they 
as a manager at the club right now you know as a permanent manager but i think you know it's too early i mean like today it's man united was psg united old trafford which is one of those big old trafford champions league nights which manchester united fans have been missing uh, since probably you know 2 3 years now and uh, and yeah i think today will be the real test uh, for ali because psg although they don't have their best team but they still but they still are a very uh, good defensive side i think united have to be very good and i think you know the tests are coming for ali now i think at the end of march or probably april is the time probably where we can decide that so maybe is the right man or maybe he's not i think ali has been really great but i'm not i'm not just getting carried away right now at the moment i just want to see what happens so yeah i have one question for you so do you think ali can just outsmart do you think yeah i'm losing the yeah. yeah 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 do you think ali can outsmart thomas tuchel in the tactics in the technical area of the game in the tactics and all cuz you saw like uh, the united defense it was quite it is still quite in uh, quite a doubt cuz they were conceding chances against leicester and against fulham also in the weekend so how do you think they'll cope up with uh, they don't have of course neymar and cavani but still they have great runners who can get in behind the defense like di maria and mbappe so how do you think what what kind of system will oli go for and what will he tell his players about these two two players in particular how will they how will they uh, get uh, get their tactics right against this team you know i think the game plan will be simple uh, i think oli will obviously play a 433 on paper like uh, obviously the backline uh, should probably be ashley young eric bail and alof and shaw that should be the ideal backline and obviously a lot will de- uh, depend upon david de gea i mean like if he's in uh, he's in form today i think he can win the match for united just in his own hands like he, he obviously is the best goalkeeper in the world so i think if de gea is on form i think uh, united will definitely win. about the game plan i think the back four will be as i mentioned just now and uh, you know uh, the one more thing i was just wanted to say this the game plan will be simple like this right from the start if united get the ball uh, i mean like if they take the kick off then oli will just probably pass the ball around quickly and put in a very good long ball onto the left or the right most probably to the left because marcial is there so you can produce something out of there and just put a psg under pressure as soon as possible and if psg get the start i think uh, oli will instruct his players to probably implement high press that is something i that probably i expect and uh, you know the front three of uh, lingard rashford and martial would not be actually a front three uh, it would it would be actually a 4312 where i can see uh, lingard playing more centrally and rashford and martial playing as more forwards uh, so that you know rashford can exploit the center backs of psg martial can do the same as well and then lingard's off the ball movement with paul pogba's link up play with with will something that we you know very useful for united and i think uh, yeah yeah so that's the way united are going to approach an attack and when psg get the ball and when they you know uh, start really coming at united with their chances i think united are going to sit back and then they're going to hit them on the counter psg will probably come with the same mindset uh of counter attacking football but as as far as thomas tuchel is concerned uh, i am someone who admires thomas tuchel because he's he's a bit jurgen klopp like i mean like he's someone who believes in geek in pressing geek in pressing is something that's 
really really interesting in football and and that's that's something that makes the sport more interesting uh, to watch to be honest i think uh, uh, you know if thomas tuchel was to you know outsmart this oligan solskjaer man united team i think he'll go for gigin pressing and you know particularly considering the fact that our center backs are, other than lindelof uh, are not very good passers of the ball i think probably uh, united might struggle if uh, psg go for gigin pressing so i think yeah it's going to be very interesting game. i think the, the primary plan obviously has to be uh, ali you know going out at psg right from the start and then then you know probably things settle and he will sit back and wait them to come at him and then probably hit them on the counter and uh, you know the advantage today is alexis sanchez was someone uh, last week who looked a bit good to be honest and he's going to be a very important player from the bench i expect and lukaku hopefully 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 uh, i hope that probably when we're leading 2-3-0 uh, if we need to nil at at probably 60 70 minutes uh, you know you, then we can bring lukaku on and put in some long balls and he can head his bloody head in the goal like so, like that's what something i expect and i think yeah i think our chances are very good and dealing with mbappe and stuff i think uh, mbappe is someone who'll play on the right so he'll probably be facing luke shaw and luke shaw is someone who's been really really good this season he's been dealing with players i mean like uh, even against big teams like man city uh, uh, you know this season you know man city didn't really threaten united from the left the first goal was shaw struggled at but after that the the both goals that city scored uh, that that were not uh, from the left you know where luke shaw had played so i think like luke shaw someone who's been really good this season and he's not someone whom you can easily beat and even luke shaw is fast but i don't know mbappe is in faster so i think uh, yeah it's going to be a very good test but it's totally upon how the oli you know manages to keep psg at bay and okay so hemant uh, i would like to ask you a question you mentioned uh, you mentioned that uh, uh, this uh, thomas tuchel might just come out pressing kind of game what if he just goes the other way what if he decides to park the bus what if he decides that uh, decides that uh, let me take let me take a draw in this game and i take or uh, i take my i take the game back to paris where i'll get probably both cavani and neymar free so do you think if uh, psg sit back and kind of park the bus with like all the center backs behind and all the full backs not advancing too much do you think united will be able to break them down well for the first i think uh, thomas tuchel is not a kind of a manager who likes to sit back and you know do the stuff you know probably if psg uh, luckily get an early goal that might be a game plan to sit back and just wait but i think uh, psg would uh, probably you know try and attack as much as possible so first of all i don't agree to the fact that thomas tuchel would probably sit back but if he does uh, in out of this world Uh, I think uh, you know. I think I still think United can break this down because you know uh, that that that's uh, that's a point where some uh, where you know probably Rashford, Pogba, Martial will uh, get more chances to attack, and I think uh, that's where probably Pogba or Rashford or maybe a Martial can produce.
something uh, that's unexpected, like a 30-yard banger or probably a link-up goal or something like that. I think Old Trafford, the main reason why I think United, you know, will get a result is because of the Old Trafford atmosphere, because that's going to be absolutely buzzing. And then, like, teams will be under pressure if United, you know, uh, you know, if they really go on the front foot. I think even though PSG, if they sit back, I think they can uh, lose this match. I don't see PSG particularly, you know, uh, parking the bus and stuff like that. Uh, I either think United is going to win or probably if the match is going to be exciting, then it, it's going to be a draw, maybe. So, we can't talk about United at the moment without mentioning probably the most informed player in the in Europe currently after Messi. It's got to be Paul Pogba. How good has he been? Hey, man, just tell us. He... You know, you can't just describe this man with words. I mean, like, everyone was telling uh, that, you know, you have to give Paul Pogba the freedom that you want, uh, that he wants to play. And, like, if you give this guy the freedom, he'll, uh, you know, produce wonders for you as a player. And I think, uh, you know, Oli realizes that. Oli has worked with Paul Pogba probably in the reserve. So, he has an estimation that uh, has an estimation of his talent like how good he can be and like he realizes that if he frees Paul Pogba up then no no team in the world can survive this man's rage I mean like even uh, when he played for France I mean like Didier Deschamps he didn't uh, you know particularly uh, give Paul Pogba the, an all attacking role you know even he wanted Paul Pogba to sit back for some time do the dirty defensive work uh Along, alongside Angelo Kante and then, uh, you know, go and attack. Oli's um, just telling Paul Pogba to just go and play his game, do whatever he wants and just help the, help the team to win. That's that's what Oli's been telling. And I think Paul Pogba, when you give him that much license, I think he will uh, play at his best. And, you know, consistency was never a question for me, for Paul Pogba. It was just about Jose's uh, defensive system that was restricting him uh, in many ways to, uh, you know, express himself as a player. I think uh, that's why I think Paul Pogba, you know, he's got to deliver tonight uh, because he can't just, you know, give an inconsistent performance. He's got to deliver. He knows that. He knows that uh, that if he can deliver a performance that will help Manchester United and him as a player personally because he wants to achieve, uh, you know, the best possible things in football. And I think beating PSG tonight uh, will be certainly a very big step to be honest so I think Paul Pogba will deliver tonight Paul Pogba has been great and I'm sure he'll be great tonight again and yeah you look at the PSG midfield of Marquinhos Verratti and Draxler and you just think Paul Pogba can just boss around that midfield just completely physically outclass them and even technically outclass them so I think uh, do you think that he'll be he'll be almost uh, he'll be almost important play on the pitch today Absolutely, I think Marquinhos, for a fact, he's not a proper CDM to be honest. And like, uh, and if he, if he can probably play CDM, then he's not been tested to be honest. Because who can test you as a CDM in the French league? I mean, like, if I if I'm not wrong, I think uh, if you can go and check this out, probably Marquinhos even played as a CDM against Lyon, and Lyon beat PSG. So I think yeah, yeah, they did. 
Yeah, so yeah, and Leon beat PSG and probably Marquinhos played as a CDM. So that was a real test. So if Leon can do that, I think Paul Pogba can easily do that. And I think Marco Verratti, for a fact, I think he's probably a doubt for a game. And even if he plays, then it's going to be a battle between Marco Verratti and Paul Pogba because both are some uh, both are players who are going to try and run the midfield. And Paul Pogba is the more experienced guy and the more informed guy. And when you've got momentum like Paul Pogba and Manchester United, I've got I think. You know, it's got to be Paul Pogba. And like, uh, even Draxler. Draxler, for a fact, he's a proper winger, to be honest. And, uh, you know, Thomas Tuchel is uh, trying to just fit him in the team uh, by just dragging him into the midfield. So, I think uh, if United can, uh, you know, attack with pace, I think Paul Pogba and Co. can really uh, cause troubles with this PSG team. All I um, fear is the defense of PSG. I think Thiago Silva, uh, some people have uh, told me, uh, you know, before this clash that uh, Thiago Silva's aging and probably he might be on the decline, maybe or maybe not. But uh, for a fact, I know that Marcus Rashford is someone who can trouble him with pace. And uh, for So, yeah, as I was saying, Paul Pogba is the most important player for Manchester United. So, yeah, can we just have your last thoughts and your predictions, Amant, about this game? You know, you know what? I think I fancy United quite heavily today. I think uh, not too heavy, but I think United will win 3-0. Okay, I have gone for a slightly... I, I think United are going to win 2-1. It's going to be a... I, it's going to be a healthy kind of 2-1. Like, there are going to be a lot of chances, but I think United will come, on the, come, come ahead in the end. So, let's go to the next game. Tottenham versus Dortmund. And this is a really interesting game because, like, you see the odds and they're just almost the same. Uh, the first leg, of course, is at Wembley. So, what do you think about uh, this game, Hemant? Any initial thoughts? Uh, Tottenham don't have Harry Kane. They don't, have prob- they don't probably have Delhi Alley as well. Um, and, and yeah, I think those two key players uh, will matter a lot for Tottenham today. Uh, you know, because at the moment are absolutely flying. I know the previous match was a draw against Hoffenheim. Uh, no, they were th- leading 3-0 probably till the 70th minute and then Hoffenheim unexpectedly uh, drew the match 3-all, which is absolutely embarrassing for Borussia Dortmund. But I think, to be honest, uh, Jaden Sancho, this guy, I mean, like, he's on hell of a run. I mean, like, he's absolutely been amazing, Jaden Sancho. I mean, like, he's gonna trouble Danny Rose or Ben Davis, who's whoever's gonna play on left back. He's gonna trouble them a lot. And he, his pace of deliveries and, you know, his creativity is something that's gonna trouble the Spurs centre-backs as well, you know, because... Uh, Toby Alderweire and Jan Watongan, they are uh, probably declining due to the rage. And Davis and Sanchez, you can't just rely on him. You know, he's inconsistent for me. So, I think, you know, Dortmund have got a very, very, very good chance. And I think Tottenham, if they have to win, I think they gotta, they've got to be strong at the defence and they've got to make sure that they have more of the ball than uh, Borussia Dortmund. Because Dortmund are flying at the moment. What are your thoughts, Harsh? Okay, yeah. I think that uh, it's going to be a pretty close game. Closer than uh, most people can imagine. Because I think uh, uh, you said that Tottenham have the injuries of Delhi Ali and Harry Kane. But you look at the back line of Dortmund and it just it doesn't scare you at all. There's like no technical... Uh, all, all the centre-backs and full-backs are quite young. And uh, the goalkeeper is also quite inexperienced. So I think if Tottenham... 
that's why you know dortmund have a chance of slipping but like yeah still if uh, players like akanji and uh, you know matias aginta probably the center back whoever it is i think uh, if they are in form probably uh, if they can enforce attacks on tottenham i think they they're going to be uh, vulnerable i mean like tottenham so i think uh, yeah uh, i agree with you it's going to be like a waves of attack from both the sides because uh, both the sides are looking like currently defensively they are looking suspect and i think yeah like you said jaden sancho is going to trouble whoever is going to play on that left uh, left back position sorry right back position and uh, yeah i think uh, dortmund uh, dortmund might just win the first leg according to me what do you think um yeah uh, my initial thoughts probably were to all uh, but i think yeah looking at dortmund's attack if they get chances then 2-1 for borussia dortmund so do you think uh, tottenham can win in the second leg and uh, beat them second, overall over the two legs second leg i guess uh, tottenham have a lesser chance to be honest because if and if harry kane is back maybe they have an outside chance but i think if they don't have uh, harry kane and the uh, keepers like derry ali back i think tottenham are going to lose i don't think because uh, dortmund are good at home and i think they will uh, you know put their heads in in this game because this is a champions league game and they got to take it seriously so i think dortmund i think i fancy dortmund who do you go, who, who do you think are going to be the key players for uh, tottenham i think it's going to be christian eriksen what do you think of course christian eriksen and son hwenmin son hwenmin if son he is- can yeah son hwenmin if he can trouble uh, borussia dortmund's backline with his uh, pace in the counter attacks i think uh, son hwenmin can do something for tottenham i think even against juventus last season when they lost tottenham at wembley i think son hwenmin was very good but he missed some very good chances i think if son hwenmin is good today probably tottenham can fan- see themselves to have a chance at this game so yep yep uh, what what are your predictions for this game i think uh, it yeah i think it it's going to be a high scoring game here at uh, i think it's going to be a high scoring game i think they might win 3-2 i think dortmund might just get three goals behind Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, you're probably fancying uh, Dortmund to score a goal like Wolves did, right? Okay. Yeah. The... Yeah. So, what's the next game then? What do you want to talk about? Uh, shall we go Man City? Uh, let's keep that for the end. Uh, let's. Uh, I think. Uh, yeah, let's go with Liverpool Bayern. Oh, my, oh I've got a big story about this to be honest. Uh, you know, I've got my friend of mine who uh, chats with me on Discord, you know, about Liverpool and he was absolutely buzzing with Liverpool's expectations in the Premier League and the Champions League, you know, and you know ever since Man City defeated Liverpool uh, at Etihad this season like at the start of the year, I think since then Liverpool have taken a serious set to be honest. because uh, you know the 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 attack is not gelling well you know Salah and Firmino are inconsistent Mane is probably the one who's playing well and uh, you know Van Dijk has not got a good partner 
I think Liverpool are having all sort of problems, and then Klopp compromising on cups just to focus on the Premier League and Champions League. But then again, in the Premier League, the situation has not been really, really good for Liverpool. Uh, and you know, you know what 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 my friend told on Discord was that uh, two months back when Liverpool versus Bayern was uh, you know the initial draw. Uh, at that time, uh, Liverpool were clear favourites because uh, they were flying high. They were top of the league. They had probably got a seven point. Played or something like that, and they were absolutely flying. But ever since you know, uh, you know, Van Dijk has not got a defensive partner, and Man City started putting pressure on Liverpool. They have taken a hit. They have taken a serious hit. And you know, he he just told me that Liverpool might end up compromising the Champions League just to have a realistic go in the Premier League. And I fear that if that's the case. And if Bayern Munich players think that you know enough is enough, just let's just go and get it, uh, no matter who's the manager, uh, I think Bayern Munich can cause Liverpool troubles. You know, Lewandowski, Müller, you know, Hamas Rodriguez, uh, Kingsley Coman. You talk about anyone. You know, they've got a serious, serious squad. I mean, like. Yeah, if Liverpool don't take this game seriously, I think Bayern are definitely gonna win it. If Liverpool don't take this seriously, but if Liverpool, you know, do get back to the form, I think Liverpool can win. Uh, and I think this is gonna be a very interesting game. And looking at the current scenario of both teams, I think a two-all draw should uh, satisfy both teams. You know, not probably Liverpool, but Bayern definitely. I think. And if uh, Liverpool are you know good enough on their day, then probably two-one to Liverpool or otherwise two-all. What do you think, Hush? I just think it's the other way around. I think if Liverpool just play to their strengths and Klopp just puts out a attacking team with attacking instincts, I think they can annihilate Bayern because Bayern are like not that great at the back at all because. Like you look at the centre back pairing, Hummels and Sula. It has been for most of the season, and Hummels is like making a lot of mistakes. He's like aging a lot, and Sula is just quite slow. I don't. Yeah, he's very slow. I think he's one of the slowest centre backs. He's good in the defensive work, but I don't think he'll be able to cope up with the pace of Mane and Firmino. Uh, one guy who I really, who uh, really can make a difference is Kimmich. If uh, down that right back, yeah, I was sure Kimmich. Yep. Yep. He's he's quite good. I like him a lot, and. Uh, Yep. So I think if uh, like Liverpool, they just go out with an attacking mindset. I think they can really beat Bayern by a big margin because they are looking quite suspect at the back for me. And Neuer is also not uh, at his best at his peak point in his career, you know. So he might just let in a few goals. So I think if uh, Liverpool put out a good attacking team, they might just win. Uh, they might just win two one because uh, even in Liverpool's side, you see they don't have Virgil Van Dijk for the first leg. So I don't know what their centre back pairing is going to be and. Yeah. And if if Virgil Van Dijk doesn't play, I think you can see a whole lot of difference in this Liverpool team because there will be no leader. And right now, the most you know, frustrating point about Liverpool team, uh, as per the Liverpool fans, is their midfield. I mean, like Naby Keita, you know, the guy whom they were calling as the signing of the decade, probably if I'm not wrong, uh, is not working for them. You know, he's the one who's making that midfield bad. I mean, like Fabinho is not performing well. Just because of Naby Keita's uh, in inactiveness, and Gini Wijnaldum has also gone down a bit. But uh, but again, against Bournemouth, he was very good uh, at the weekend. Uh, so I think yeah, if Liverpool's midfield is good, I think they might concede goals, but they can still nick probably a win out of this. So what do you think the centre back pairing will be? Because I think Matip is going to play, and uh, yeah, who, who do you think is going to? 
Is Lovren available? No, I don't think so. Lovren is not even showed up at training. <laughs> then who's the, who's the other center back available for Liverpool? Then I I don't I don't know. He might just play Fabinho in there. I don't know what Klopp is gonna do for the first legs. So seriously. And maybe if Klopp, you know, uh, you know, has some serious headache or something like that before the match, I think he's gonna probably bring in the 17-year-old Dutch defender who played really well in the FA Cup against Wolves. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember his name exactly, but yeah, he was really really. Good, that 17-year-old guy uh, from Dutch, uh, you know, from Netherlands, who really played re- well, you know, against uh, Wolves, I think, in the FA Cup. He was very good. Someone for the future, and yeah, I think Klopp, uh, if he doesn't have centre backs available, I think he'll probably go with Fabinho at centre back, and then probably put Henderson as a CDM. Yeah, so the big point, of course, for Liverpool, the positive point is like Trent Alexander-Arnold is back. He played for like I think he played for the last. 10 minutes against uh, against uh, Bournemouth at the weekend uh, but i think he's going to start this game and like how how big is that been for liverpool like it, uh, i've listened to a lot of podcasts and they all have said just one thing like Nathan, letting nathaniel klein go was like a very bad decision for yeah, Klopp because he's had to play milner there and he's had to play henderson there and they are both like out of position most of the times there and it's also affected the midfield because those two guys are like really Integral to Liverpool's midfield. So, how big do you think Alexander Arnold's coming back into the team is? Yeah, I think Alexander Arnold's comeback uh, probably gives Liverpool a proper right back option. To be honest, because James Miller is someone who's been exploited very much. To be honest, by teams that have been playing Liverpool recently. Uh, and I think, you know, uh, Nathaniel Klein, you know, he wanted game time. And Klopp uh, probably told him that, you know, Alexander-Arnold, and as long as he's going to be fit, he's going to be my first choice. And I think it was probably on Klein, uh, Klein's decision that he wanted to, you know, have a lone move just to get some game time and then probably come back and fight for his place in the Liverpool team. And that's where Klopp probably did not expect the fact that Alexander-Arnold might get injured and he might... Be struggling uh, with the right back situation. So I think Arnold's, uh, you know, comeback has been very, very uh, crucial for Liverpool. I think he's going to make a difference. So we honest, at the right back position, or uh, if you know, he's going to start against Bayern. So that thing, yeah, that's going to be good. So your final predictions for this game? Yeah. Um, Okay, Liverpool, since they don't have a centre back, I think they're going to bottle it a little bit. I, I, I think I should go for a two-two. I'll be safe here. Two two. Yeah, two all. It's also just a bit uh, like over dramatic in my uh, opening statement, and I didn't I didn't realize that uh, they didn't have a centre back. Uh, they didn't have a centre back pairing. So I also think I'm gonna go for a two two there. I think Liverpool might just bottle it here. Yep, might be. Or maybe if uh, Liverpool's day is bad and you know Salah's missing goals or Firmino's missing goals or Mane's missing goals, then probably Bayern might even win it two one. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, they might. They just might, and that'll be big for Bayern and really bad for Liverpool. Like, and and who even knows that Bayern have particularly not been good this season? And who knows if they bottle it and Liverpool play badly and still manage a win one nil or two nil? You know, it can happen. But I still think, you know, Bayern will come to this game focused, and I think two all will be something that I'll that I'll be expecting because Anfield's not a place where you know it's easy to beat Liverpool it's not an easy place and it's a very tough place so I think yeah two all yeah I agree with you and I think uh, Liverpool might just beat them over the two legs when Virgil van Dijk comes back for the 
second leg i think they just might win the second leg and they might just win the tie yep so the next game uh, want to talk about leon barca yo leon barca interesting yeah very interesting uh barca maybe i think they can nick this win easily but i think away to leon would be a test would yeah, be a test like- because uh, you know that leon attack you know with the with the central defensive midfield of endembele endembele has been really good so i think nabil fakir has been really good memphis depay has been good you know and uh, they the, they've got a very good attack to be honest and i think uh, leon have got a very good chance against barca at home no because barca are not particularly good at away games uh, when it comes to the knockout stages of the champions league i'm just going by the history or just by the history barca are not good at the away games but they are good at the home games so i think you know probably i i can expect a draw uh, for leon and barca and then and then probably barca winning it at home what do you think yeah i agree with you i think uh, leon they just they just put out a statement in those two matches against Manchester City that they can beat the big teams and you you have seen over the season that Barca are a bit are a bit uh, they can be exposed defensively because uh, and they are not defensively sound i think the center back pairings not come that much uh, they have not come together that much and yeah leon might just beat barca and you said endombele he's he's been like he's been like a rock in central uh, in cdm and yeah he's been he's been a uh, uh they are looking at man city are looking at him as a replacement for fernandinho so yeah like he he's he's been really good and you mentioned memphis depay is what a season he's had man he's just he's just looking for a move to a big a big uh, club now like he said in the interview and yeah i think leon might just nick it in the first leg i i really think they might beat barcelona unless like the god messi has a great game like then he can just turn around messi gets going then no one in the world can do anything right so like yeah. if messi gets going then you can't stop barcelona winning but otherwise if you think that leon leon's defense can be solid i think one all draw i think i don't still see leon completely beating out barcelona i think that would be too uh, over realistic to be honest but i think yeah one all will be uh, probably suitable for me to predict Okay, so I think unless Messi has a fantastic game, I think Leon might just nick it to one. I just think in the first leg, but over the two legs, I think Barcelona at camp now just they they are just too good at camp now. So yeah, they will win the second leg. So let's go to the next game. Uh, this is a this is a huge game. Atletico Juventus. What do you think about this? I know what uh, Atletico Madrid have been cursed by Alvaro Morata. <laughs> that that's true i mean like what they have been good all season and then suddenly morata comes in two games in and they lose two like he's not been really good morata like i, I don't see why i'm mean, like is diego costa injured or something like that i think diego costa is injured that's the reason why yeah i think so i think he, i think he's injured he's not been playing yeah i think that's the reason why uh, atletico brought in morata on loan till the end of the season and morata has been an absolute shamble a symbolic signing to be honest uh, and you know morata you know the problem with morata is that he misses chances a lot and i think i don't uh, i don't think uh, Uh, you know diego simeone will fancy uh, morata to start against juventus considering the fact that juventus is a former club 
I don't still uh, see you know Morata starting against Juventus. He probably might come on as a sub, but I don't still see Morata starting against uh, you know Juventus. And Anton Griezmann will be key. You know Thomas Lemar if he can play some part, he can do it as well. You know uh, Atletico's defense has got to be strong. Now Juventus. To be honest, you know, uh, people have been over-expectant of uh, Juventus this season. They've particularly not been good in the Champions League. You know, they lost to young boys. They lost to Manchester United uh, when they were under the shit management of Jose Mourinho. And they haven't been particularly good, to be honest. Uh, Juventus, not particularly the best. But they've, been, they've been living under the hype of uh, playing with Cristiano Ronaldo. So I think Juventus have not really been good, and I think if uh, if you know Atletico can uh, figure out someone who can play and reliably score some goals for uh, Atletico uh, against Juventus, I think Atletico have got a chance. But uh, considering the fact that Juventus have a team right now and a better momentum right now at the moment, I think it's going to be. A team. I think first leg, I think. Uh, Juventus might win two one in the first leg. Second leg, I think I see a draw. So I think, yeah, I think Juventus can progress. I believe. What about you? So I think it might just be bigger than that because if you would have, I think uh, saw the Madrid derby and like Real were much better than Atletico Madrid in that game because yeah. they were getting behind the central centre backs and they were just creating chances a lot. And when you have the Lineup of Juventus, they might just catch Atletico Madrid side on a bad day, and yep, they might just nick it easily. And I don't see uh, Madrid uh, scoring against Juventus. I really don't where, know where the goals for. Maybe you know, Anton Griezmann figure was a worldly there. Uh, probably he can. Yeah, but you don't see that much from open play from Atletico Madrid currently. Yep. Like, yep. So, I think Juventus might just nick it in this tie. Yep, I, I didn't think that. Unfortunately, Atletico was a very strong team until they had Diego Costa. But now, Alvaro Morata, the curse guy, no, he's cursing Atletico now. So, yep, there you go. Yeah. So. Okay, so what about the next one then? Let's talk about Ajax Real Madrid. Because this is a really good game, I think. Uh, this might just be better than most people expect it to be. We have absolutely. Uh, technically, this has got to be one of the best ties of the round of 16. Because Ajax, you know, what, what should I tell about them? They've been a revelation this season. Talking about Kuzan Tadic going in there, uh, he, he turned out a very good signing for them. Frankie de Jong going to Barcelona probably might hurt them. You know, uh, uh, that Daily Blind has been still been good. Like he's still been good. Matias Delit has been really good. Uh, they're a very good squad overall. Casper uh, he was a very good signing. Like not a signing. Like he's been a good player overall for uh, Ajax this season. So I think yeah, Ajax can uh, probably cause Real Madrid troubles. But Real Madrid are in a good moment right now. They're in just a good moment. Uh, I think uh, someone who's been causing uh, troubles to defense is off late. I think Vinches Jr. will play a key part if Real Madrid are to have a chance against Ajax. And first leg being away from home for Real Madrid, I think 
But probably over the two legs, I think Real Madrid have got a chance at the Santiago Bernabeu. So I think, yeah, on two legs probably Real Madrid might win it. But at home, I think Ajax might spin a surprise. Yeah. So when this draw was made, I thought like Ajax might just win this. But Real Madrid, as like Real Madrid have done for the last few years, they just come back really well in this January and early February period. And, Like all the players are great, gaining form. I think Luka Modric has played. Luka Modric has played well the last few games. Benzema has been superb. Vinicius Junior has come in and he's just played exceptionally well for a guy of his age. And yeah, it just it's looking all up for Real Madrid. I think they might take both the legs uh, here. I th- I really think they might because they are looking like a really dangerous side. Ajax no doubt have some superb players, but Real Madrid might just be a bit too much for them. What do you think? Yeah, over the two legs, yes, probably at IX, uh, it's going to be a test. Yeah. So your score predictions? Yeah, on the first leg, IX two one, and then the second leg, Real Madrid four nil, probably four one. The second leg will be very big uh, for Real Madrid, so I think they will win it in the second leg. The first leg, I, I can see IX beating them two one. I can, but I don't think so. But I can see them. Yeah, yeah. You just uh, you never know what Ajax can do on that day because they have some great players. So now let's go to Roma versus Porto. And if you look at the bookmakers' predictions now, you can just see they are like exactly the same. Because uh, yeah, so do you think it's this close? Uh, let's just be honest. Porto have been surprised, uh, surprising. Uh, you know this time, and you know they particularly did not have a very strong uh, group stage group. Uh, to be honest, I think uh, that's the reason why I think they found it easy to come at, come to the round of 16 this time. And uh, Roma, uh, Roma, I don't think that Roma should face any trouble against Porto. But Porto on their day can cause them troubles. I mean, I have not been watching Porto off late too much in the Champions League, but I think I've been watching Roma a bit more. I think Roma with Costa's manager. As uh, Florenzi, Lo- uh, Lorenzo Pellegrini, you know all these players, they, they've been they've been really really good. And Eden Zeko, Alexander Kolarov, they they're very good players. So I think uh, yeah, if they have a good game, I think they've got a chance, a very good chance against Porto. So I think I can see Roma progressing this one easily. Roma easily for me. But Roma have been quite poor in the Serie. A, if you have see, if you look at the last. few results and they they are not looking that like that great uh, defensively as well so do you think porto might just catch them on the wrong day and they might just take the tie yeah football's a funny old game you know i mean like uh, champions league is also obviously a different ball game so yeah that that was my roma versus uh, porto you know preview probably so my prediction i think roma will win it, win this one 3-0 probably and over the two legs uh, the aggregate should Just uh, be in favor of Roma. What do you think? Yeah, I also think that I think Roma are quite strong. They should be able to beat Porto, even though Porto have been in superb form of late. But Roma just that experience that the team has. I think they should be able to get. They should be get. Uh, they should be able to get over the line. So yeah, that that brings us to the last game: Schalke versus Man City. Uh, And yeah, like, you've been giving this for last haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> So, do you do you think it'll be a contest? Um, honest, uh, you know what? 
I watched Man City against uh, Chelsea, and I have no words. That's it. Fin- game over. Finished. City might probably win six, seven, eight nil. I won't be surprised. Uh, at home, uh, even nine nil. They this has Schalke. I I won't be surprised. So I've got no words for Man City, man. Like, okay, they're they're a very good team. Pep Guardiola has been really, really good. So yeah, Man City versus Chelsea. The way Man City annihilated Chelsea in just twenty five minutes. Absolutely bang on. Like the, the you know the mic is yours, mate. Like just speak it out. Go on. <laughs> so like I I just wanted to ask you one question. Like uh, so uh, one one minute, yeah. Yeah. So I just wanted to ask you how how good how uh, how much uh, how how much has Raheem Sterling improved under Guardiola? Just can you just tell us that. in a quick way um you know just to describe it in short rahim sterling under pep guardiola is one of the best wing players in the premier league easily like he has been a very good player under guardiola very very improved like he can just dribble past people he can just put in those long fast through balls and i think uh, his link up play with sergio aguero was something that is probably the best in the league and like and when this guy gets going i think uh, he's unstoppable Raheem Sterling. I just don't have words. Like City, which player you can't describe about? Bernardo Silva. I mean, like, look at the man's bloody work rate. He just runs like a donkey. Like he just keeps on running. He like he he probably keep keeps on running for f- like 15 kilometers per match. And like Raheem Sterling, the same. He just uh, presses. Uh, you know, the opposition defenses like anything. He he just wins the ball back. Plays off the left, off the right as a cent a central player. Not much effective though, but still. and he can even drop back into midfield that's what i heard from guardiola once in a personal interview uh, with some channel and yeah rahim sterling has been good uh, bernardo silva has absolutely been good as well kevin de bruyne has started to gel in uh, into his form of late sergio aguero i mean like i've been telling this for what 5 6 years now sergio aguero is the best striker in the league come on obviously yeah and the premier league yeah. and obviously in, in europe he's a he's a better finisher than luis suarez is a better finisher than edinson cavani uh and he's probably toe to toe with robert lewandowski to be honest or maybe even better than him because uh, he's got better playmakers around him you know sergio aguero is obviously a world class guy and uh, who else david silva if this guy plays then schalke is as good as dead along with kevin de bruyne fernandinho man like this guy you can't just go past him like he's a very good uh, defensive asset isn't he like he's he's fundamentally city produce attacking wise and like imeric laporte has been a revelation this season agreed to that fact and left back uh, no till the last match i was thinking how long will pep be playing uh, danilo out the left you know that's going to you know you know cause him troubles uh, maybe uh, in a later point of time but then again you've got alexander sichenko coming at la- in the previous game one many headers made a lot of interceptions you no know, uh, broke broke up the play made some attacks put in some really good balls in and uh, you know he he was really good as well kyle walker again a good player the city team is world class so like yeah so i, I think Schalke even 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 if you're a hardcore Schalke fan you won't be expecting anything out of this game considering City's form 
know just to be very fair you know away game even if guardiola decides to play the whole city academy out there i think they can still nick in a draw out of this and then <laughs> home at home if they can play their best team they can just smash off schalke and just go into the round of uh, sorry quarter final so i think there's no question about schalke versus man city at the moment you know probably if if you would have asked me in december i would have said you know schalke pro- probably have a go- uh, good chance because uh, ralf uh, nangelsman is it uh him no no probably not that's hoffenheim's manager I, i've just got confused there so you yeah, know but like schalke they have been kind of inconsistent they probably played bayern last week i didn't watch the whole match i just watched it till 1-1 where uh, levin probably 2-1 where levendowski scored uh, the second goal so yeah like schalke's backline is not very good to be honest uh, for the part of the game that i watched them yeah, man city you know you can you man city can even uh, do what they did against chelsea even against the best of the defenses to be honest at the moment because they've got momentum like pep guardiola like he he told that he was going to change the dynamic and he just changed the dynamic of this manchester city team and like compared to last season this season city have been better starting of games you know, like uh, they have been projecting full backs high up the pitch uh, in the starting five ten minutes you know which allows uh, players like de bruyne bernardo uh, uh, silva david silva to put in long balls to uh, another wide players like sane mares or sterling whoever plays there and then they can just uh, nick in a good chance for aguero or the gunduas uh, who come in uh, into the box and they can just nick in a goal so starting the games really well has been something that's been a weapon for city so yeah there's no competition as i just said okay so let i also agree with you i think city are going to annihilate schalke but let's just take this opportunity to talk about the game at the weekend chelsea 6-0 so what chelsea like really that bad or what just city just sensational cuz i thought it was like kind of both cuz like three goals City was sensational and three goals like Chelsea just gifted it to us especially that Ross oh. Barkley goal cuz that was just madness from Ross Barkley I don't know what he was thinking out there I don't know what I know what exactly it, what he was thinking that he was probably feared of the fact that Liverpool are going to win the title so he decided to assist Aguero for the goal so that Liverpool probably stop winning the title that sounds fair because yeah, that, that was He was an Evertonian. He doesn't want Liverpool to win the title, so he probably assisted Aguero. Sounds fair. Yep. Yeah. 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 Talking about six nil. Okay, the first goal, or to be very honest, the first goal is something that was commonly uh, seen uh, from Man City against probably all big teams, be it Arsenal, be it Man United, be it uh, Tot. Yeah, even Tottenham. I think they scored a bit early. I don't uh, exactly remember away uh, when the pitch was not very good at Wembley. I think in that match also they scored really early. Yep, they did. Uh, yeah, yeah, and even against Tottenham, and yeah, even even against uh, Chelsea, that was the same case for me. They started out quick. The first goal was quick, but I think after the first goal, what happened is uh, Chelsea did not capitalize because City didn't allow them. They just pressed the ball out. They just took the ball out. and then aguero is a very good chance I mean, like, that was a howl to be honest that 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 should have been a goal just just to be fair or to all all the hard work of bernardo silva that should have been a goal but they didn't score that um but yeah then aguero scored a worldly second goal you know not only chelsea but no team could have done nothing about it only keeper in the premier league i would have expected to save that was david de gea uh but um, yeah as i was saying so uh, at 4 nil uh, you know chelsea couldn't 
Capitals won the chances, and City just passed around the ball. They teased them. They, Chelsea did not take enough of the chances. I don't know what uh, happened at halftime. I don't know whether Sarri gave a good team talk or not. But you know, there was no change. There was no change in Chelsea. And uh, you know, the way Sarri reacted after the defeat. He didn't even shake his hand to Pep Guardiola, <laughs> which is something I did not like for for the first because uh, you know Sari, you know he was he was looking like a man who had no idea about what was going out there, and he he had no responsibility. I mean, like he had to take responsibility, but he didn't. So I think that's something that I fear about. And you know, uh, after looking at that game, I fear the fact that Sari. Might be another manager uh, of the Chelsea managers who might just get sacked after point, maybe two years, one and a half year. I don't know, but Sari is not someone I think Chelsea would like to keep for long because you know, even though if you give him players, even though the players that that Chelsea get in the future, probably in the next transfer window or maybe the one after that. uh and then sari probably gets the team he wants then even then i think sari's attitude as a manager you know is not suitable for this modern generation of chelsea footballers so i think that was not just a defeat for chelsea that was a statement by man city to you know make chelsea realize that you know, they were not up to the game to be honest and i think yes, so not only not only man city to be honest you know if any team would have been in such a situation the team in momentum even if it was liverpool they would have gone run uh, run right even if it was tottenham they would have run right man united probably not so much to the extent that city did but even arsenal yeah even if it was at, at the emirates and uh, chelsea were in such a situation like they were uh, against man city at the weekend then even probably arsenal would have scored four five you know so it, it is completely upon chelsea so that's that's i think yeah chelsea and yeah so i just want to talk about maurizio sarri here for a second so like he that guy he's just one of the most stubborn managers i don't think he's just one of the most stubborn managers around he just he does not change at all he's like he sticks to his system it's a 433 and he was good like for the first i think it was 10 or 12 games un- until the tottenham game where he was just found out uh, pochettino just told ali to mark jorginho and that was it they couldn't create anything from midfield they had to rely, rely on long balls from david luiz and alonso from the back and yeah i i think that was and now he's it's just been found out everyone just keeps a man at jorginho doesn't allow him to play and i'd seen in the other games like their away game record is now 12 nil in the last three they lost to arsenal 2 nil bournemouth 4 nil and i think that bournemouth bournemouth game should have been a waking call wake up call for maurizio sarri he should he should be changing something he should and you see jorginho even if he's a good passer i don't think he's good defensively he does not shield the back four he does not do any defensive work he does not track the runners he's just so bad there and just i don't know if you had just one guy there uh, who could just play in defensive midfielder oh yeah he's playing at right wing somewhere and he's just keeping the <laughs> you know kangolo kante aren't you <laughs> yeah of course you have the best center defensive midfielder in the premier league along with uh, fernandinho i would say those two are the best cdms in the league and he's just playing him somewhere in the right wing they're just talking about him getting in the boxes creating chances that's not what kante does man like he's just 
he's bringing Kante's game down along with him and he's just bringing the morale down of Chelsea. So what do you think about Sarri's system and Jorginho? Like all of this mess. Firstly, you know, in modern football, you should get a manager who's adaptable. And like for the first, uh, Chelsea have made a mistake probably there by not bringing in a manager. Yeah, just to ramp things up. Like first, made a mistake by not appointing a manager who is quite adaptable. So like Sarri is not adaptable. And the one thing I fear a lot is that you now right now he's trusting Jorginho a lot. I'm like. If if you compare Man United and Chelsea situation, when uh, Matic was not playing well, Mourinho was still playing him, and then like people were questioning the fact, why is uh, Matic even playing? You know, someone would have, uh, someone else would have played. And the same cases with Chelsea. You know, Jorginho is not playing well, and Sarri is still playing him. So like he's very stubborn. And the one thing that I fear a lot about is when uh, you know the January the summer transfer window comes around, and uh, you know. Uh, Roman Abramovich, the Chelsea owner, gives Sari a lot of money uh, to buy players and stuff, uh, and he uh, manages to get someone who can play on the right side of midfield. And probably I can see even Kante dropping to the bench. That's that's absolutely stunning, to, uh, as as it sounds, but that's true. Kante might drop in, drop onto the bench because Sari will then get a proper uh, RCM like who can play on the right side, uh, and. He suit that suits his system. So I think he, all that Sari wants is players who suit in the system. That's the thing, and I don't even think uh, Sari considers the fact that Hazard suits in the system. Hazard probably doesn't suit in Sari's system, uh, but still Sari has managed to put Hazard in the system and make him work, um, you know, pretty well on some occasions and not so much on others. So and like Higuain is someone who fits into Sari's system. Pulisic, who's coming right now, who's probably he will fit into Sari's system, and on the left, I think they will probably go on a guard for another player. I don't know, but uh, I think yeah, I think Sari's all about system, and I think uh, with assist, you know, he even doesn't uh, you know change the dynamic much. I mean, like he just keeps the formation and the st- structure of the team very much the same, and then he tries to. Uh, do some variations in that, like just in the Man City game. Normally, doesn't does not like to sit back, but in the Man City game, specifically to beat Guardiola, he just sat back and then hit them on the counter, and then they came into the very own, and then Chelsea beat Man City because they just got lucky with two very good counter attacking and set piece goals. So that was the thing. So like, Sari is very stubborn, and in modern football, you just can't be stubborn. You just have to change the dynamic or the formation or something, something that. Might probably uh, spark a glimpse into your team and probably make your team come back into the form. Yeah, and it's just sad to see, right? Kante is such a good player. He's probably the best player in his position in the entire in the world. I would say he is. And if this goes on, probably Kante might even leave. Surprise! Yeah, but he's just signed a five-year contract, so I don't know why he did that. But uh, like, there are players who sign new contracts, but they still leave uh, not after much time. Yeah, so, but. Yeah, but so I don't think Kante is just doing really well at Chelsea, unless Mauricio Sarri. And you think about it, uh, if he plays in a like a three-five-two with two central mid- midfielders, like it might even be better for Jorginho because he's st- he'll have the cover of Kante guarding the back three. 
they can even play a 4-4-2 maybe or or maybe a 4-2-3-1 4-2-3-1 sounds even better because yeah it does that, that's where you know if uh, sari wants to use ross barkley ross barkley can play as a 10 hazard can play off the left uh, william or pedro can play on the right and higuain can be up front so even that sounds better and he has still got the back four and talking about the back four marcus alonso yeah. has not been very good seriously yeah. very very bad very very bad yeah and i think he was someone who 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 can play as a very good left wing back but not as a left back so i think yeah so i think marcus alonso future in future probably you know chelsea might need someone out there so so what about this do you see sari uh staying the season or will he get sacked before the end i think uh, till the end of the season yes because probably even the board would not have expected uh, sari to finish in the top 4 and i think uh, now if they think the top 4 uh, should be realistic then that should then sari might just blame the board because the board didn't uh, give him the signings that fit in his system so i think sari can uh, you know probably uh, survive this season with that excuse and i think chelsea is not also not sort not a sort of that club that you know appoints a manager and sacks them uh, even before a season cuts over so i think i think still they, they might give, uh, give sari some time because uh, i think abramovich has not even given uh, sari proper transfer windows i think after a proper transfer window I think that's when Sari, uh, Sari's uh, future at Chelsea can be decided. Okay, so just let's wrap this podcast up by uh, discussing how far our favorite teams are going to go in the play, uh, in the Champions League. So, how far do you think United will go? Um, if they manage to beat PSG out uh, in in both legs, then I think we've got a good shot at semi-final. We've got it, and like I think Chelsea. uh well sorry not chelsea uh, united have got a good chance of a semi final spot if if they beat psg because you know be- beating psg is not about uh, beating a team without their star players beating psg is about breaking down the defense which is probably one of the best in the world so i think uh, that's going to be very crucial today and today after looking at that psg performance i can actually judge whether united can go on far or not but as far as i'm concerned you know like united have a good shot at semi final they've got it okay so talking about city i think uh, the door is open for them i i think this might be the best chance for them to win the champions league cuz you see the rest of the big teams except juventus probably are going in a bit of a slump except united also no in order uh, i don't think juventus are even a competition to man city to be honest because juventus and man city are still miles apart because juventus has still got areas where man city if they can play against each other man city can exploit so i think man city are probably the best team in europe right now yeah and the bookmakers also have them that way so i think this might just be the best chance for guardiola to win this thing unless like something crazy happens like barcelona just messi just goes crazy i think if that happens then no one can stop him but uh, seeing that city i think they have the best chance they have had yet till now so yeah i think I, you know you know what you know I, i just have a funny feeling i just think like obviously uh, city is going to knock out shalka and if united manage to just nick out psg out of this combination then <laughs> what if man city and man united play in the quarter final yeah that'll be awesome or maybe in the semi final or maybe in the final maybe somewhere uh, in this big run of champions league matches what if city and united face each other that's they just might yep 
and we'll be back that time discussing this so thank you for joining us everyone and uh, it was a great experience thanks hemant for joining me uh, look to have you forward look to have you forward yeah, and, I hope all the audios are recorded properly, and uh, probably you can upload them all by merging them all. So yeah, I can. Yeah, this that'll be a bit of hard work, but let's see. Yeah, I I think yeah. I'll do them. Yeah, and yeah, make sure you uh, you can try and upload it on Google Podcast, so it will be a good promotion and stuff like that. And we can just expand on our shows and hope to do more with you, Harsh, in the future. Yeah, same here, man. Thanks, thanks for joining. Yeah, thank you. That's it. Yeah, just to wrap things up, like first, we made a mistake by not appointing a manager who is quite adaptable. So, like, Sari is not adaptable, and the one thing I fear a lot is that you now, right now, he's trusting Jorginho a lot. I'm mean, like, if if you compare Man United and Chelsea situation, when uh, Matic was not playing well, Mourinho was still playing him, and then like people were questioning the fact why is uh, Matic even playing? You know, someone would have, uh, someone else would have played. And the same cases with Chelsea, you know, Georgino is not playing well, and Sari is still playing him. So like he's very stubborn. And the one thing that I fear a lot about is when uh, you know the January, not the summer, the summer transfer window comes around, and uh, you know uh, Roman Abramovich, the Chelsea owner, gives Sari a lot of money uh, to buy players and stuff, uh, and he uh, manages to get someone who can play on the right side of midfield. Then probably I can see even Kante dropping to the bench. That's that's absolutely stunning, to, uh, as as it sounds. But that's true. Kante might drop in, drop onto the bench because Sari will then get a proper uh, RCM like who can play on the right side, uh, and he suit that suits his system. So I think he, all that Sari wants is players who suit in the system. That's the thing, and I don't even think uh, Sari considers the fact that Hazard suits in the system. Hazard probably doesn't suit in Sari's system, but still, Sari has managed to put Hazard in his system and make him work, um, you know, pretty well on some occasions and not so much on others. So, and like Higuain is someone who fits into Sari's system. Pulisic, who's coming right now, who's probably he will fit into Sari's system. And on the left, I think they will probably go on guard for another player. I don't know. But uh, I think yeah, I think Sari is all about system, and I think uh, with assist, you know, he even doesn't uh, you know change the dynamic much. I mean, like he just keeps the formation and the st- structure of the team very much the same, and then he tries to uh, uh, do some variations in that. Like just in the Man City game, normally doesn't does not like to sit back, but in the Man City game specifically to beat Guardiola, he just sat back and then hit them on the counter, and then they came into the very own, and then. Chelsea beat Man City because they just got lucky with two very good counter-attacking and set-piece goals. So that was the thing. So like, Sari is very stubborn, and in modern football, you just can't be stubborn. You just have to change the dynamic or the formation or something, something that might probably uh, spark a glimpse into your team and probably make your team come back into the form. Yeah, and it's just sad to see, right? Kante is such a good player. He's probably the best player in his position in the entire in the world. I would say he is. And if this goes on, if this goes on probably Kante might even leave. Surprise! Yeah, but he's just signed a five-year contract, so I don't know why he did that. But uh, like, there are players who sign new contracts, but they still leave uh, not after much time. Yeah, so, but 
Yeah, but so I don't think Kante is just doing really well at Chelsea I, unless Mourinho sorry and you think about it uh, if he plays in a like a 3-5-2 with two central mid- midfielders like it might even be better for Jorginho because he st- he'll have the cover of Kante guarding the back three they can even play a 4-4-2 maybe or or maybe a 4-2-3-1 Four two three one sounds even better because yeah it does. That, that's where you know if uh, Sari wants to use Ross Barkley, Ross Barkley can play as a ten. Hazard can play off the left. Uh, William or Pedro can play off the right, and Higuain can be up front. So even that sounds better. And he has still got the back four. And talking about the back four, Marcus Alonso yeah. has not been very good. Seriously, yeah. very very bad, very very bad. Yeah, and I think he was someone who. Who who can play as a very good left wing back, but not as a left back. So I think, yeah. So I think Marcus Alonso, future in future probably, you know, Chelsea might need someone out there. So so, you know about this? Do you see Sari uh, staying the season? Probably get sacked before the end. I think uh, till the end of the season, yes, because probably even the board would not have expected uh, Sari to finish in the top four. And I think uh, now, if they think the top four uh, should be realistic, then that should then Sari might just blame the board because the board didn't uh, give him the signings that fit in his system. So I think Sari can, uh, you know, probably uh, survive this season with that excuse. And I think Chelsea is not also not sort not a sort of that club that. No points a manager and sacks them uh, even before a season cuts over. So I think I think still they they might give, uh, give Sari some time because uh, I think Abramovich has not even given uh, Sari proper transfer windows. I think after a proper transfer window, I think that's when uh, Sari uh, Sari's future at Chelsea can be decided. Okay, so just let's wrap this podcast up by uh, discussing how far out. Favorite teams are going to go in the in the Champions League. So, how far do you think United will go? Um, if they manage to beat PSG out uh, in in both legs, then I think we've got a good shot at semi-final. We've got it, and like I think Chelsea, uh, well, sorry, not Chelsea. Uh, United have got a good chance of a semi-final spot if if they beat PSG because. You know, be- beating PSG is not about uh, beating a team without their star players. Beating PSG is about breaking down the defense, which is probably one of the best in the world. So I think uh, that's going to be very crucial today. And today, after looking at that PSG performance, I can actually judge whether United can go on far or not. But as far as I'm concerned, you know, like United have a good shot at semi-finals. They've got it. Okay, so talking about City, I think uh, the door is open for them. I I think this might be the best chance for them to win the Champions League because you see the rest of the big teams except Juventus probably are going in a bit of a slump. Except United also. No, not, uh, I don't think Juventus are even a competition to Man City to be honest because Juventus and Man City are still miles apart because Juventus has still got areas where Man City, if they can play against each other, Man City can exploit. So I think Man City are probably the best team in Europe right now. Yeah, and the bookmakers also have them that way. So I think this might just be the best chance for Guardiola to win this thing, unless like something crazy happens, like Barcelona just Messi just goes crazy. I think if that happens, then no one can stop him. But uh, seeing that City, I think they have the best chance they have had yet till now. So yeah, I think you know, you know what, you know, I just have a funny feeling. I just think like obviously uh, City is gonna knock out Schalke. 
and if united managed to just nick out psg out of this competition then <laughs> what if man city and man united play in the quarter final yeah that'll be awesome or maybe in the semi final or maybe in the final maybe somewhere uh, in this background of champions league matches what if city and united face each other that's what they I just might yep and we'll be back that time discussing this so thank you for joining us everyone and uh, it was great experience thanks hemant for joining me uh, look to have you forward coming episode i hope all the audios are recorded probably and uh, probably you can upload them all by merging them all so yeah i can yeah, this that'll be a bit of hard work but let's see yeah i, I think yeah. i'll do them Yeah, and yeah, make sure you uh, you can try and upload it on Google Podcast so it will be a good promotion and stuff like that. And we can just expand on our shows and hope to do more with you uh, in the future. Yeah, same here, man. Thanks, thanks for joining. Yeah, thank you. That's it. Welcome to another episode of Eat Sleep Football Repeat, and in what a week it has been. a great week in the UCL a great week in the Europa League and another amazing weekend in the leagues all around Europe so let's start it off so before we start this time i have uh, i asked my friends to ask us to ask us some good questions for the podcast here so let's see what we have here okay so the first two questions are pretty obvious the first question is who do you think is going to end up in the top four of the premier league here what is your opinion uh, um i think obviously uh, the titles and uh, titles between uh, liverpool and man city that's obvious yeah. um and i think after looking at the run of fixtures uh, i think tottenham is going to definitely finish in the top 4 despite uh, giving a tough fixture away at man city kane is injured as well though sorry kane is also injured for them but that, yeah, that's going to be a big yeah, blow Yeah, but I think Mauricio Pochettino has been a great manager. I mean, even without his key players, he has done really well uh, on many occasions. So I think Tottenham might be ending in top four for me. And uh, looking at the other three teams, Arsenal, Chelsea, and Man United, this was a very difficult decision for me. Chelsea having played uh, played one more game than uh, the others are probably uh, at sixty five points. And they've still got to play Man United away and Liverpool away, so I don't see them winning those two games. Maybe they might draw, but they they can definitely not win those games. Um, so I think Chelsea will miss out. And looking at Arsenal, uh, Arsenal have got very, very, very tricky fixtures. They've got Leicester away, they've got Watford away, they've got Wolves away. So and looking at Arsenal's poor away record, yeah, they, they've even lost to. They even lost to uh, I think Southampton uh, away from home, and uh, last week obviously at Everton, Everton were really really good. So I think Arsenal might just drop out of the top four, and I think Man United even they've got uh, very tough fixtures against Chelsea at home, Man City at home, and Everton away. I think those are the three fixtures uh, that I think are going to be the trickiest of fixtures. But I think Man United might just nick it in. I don't. Uh, no doubt, Ali's uh, probably final, you know, uh, season-ending tactics. Okay, so your final order. Um, so I think, oh, okay, I don't want Man City to win the quarter before the first. So I, I think I want Liverpool to win the title. So Liverpool, Man City, Tottenham, and Man United is my order. And fifth is going to be Arsenal, and sixth is going to be Chelsea. 
Okay, so I actually I have three teams that you have, but I I I actually I don't think Spurs are going to get through. I just really don't see them getting through. I think Arsenal and Chelsea have a better chance because Spurs at the moment I don't know where they are going to get the goals from. Uh, without Harry Kane, I mean Son is doing well. They've got Son on men, yeah. Son yeah, and Delhi Ali, who knows? Delhi Ali. If you are a big fan of Delhi Ali, and still yeah. you don't. Uh, but I, I don't see him as an out-and-out goal scorer. But I think he Kane, might score. Like if Christian Eriksen, if Christian Eriksen is good enough to put him in good balls, then I think Ali is capable enough of scoring. You know what I think? If Chelsea put out the lineup that day. Put out when they won three nil against. Uh, I don't remember who who did they play this the week before. Uh, uh, West Ham. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where they started Hudson Odoi and Hazard and Ruben Loftus Cheek. If Sari can put out that lineup uh, consistently, I think they have a great chance of finishing in the top four. Because I think Ross, uh, sorry, uh, Ruben Loftus Cheek has been the missing chink in the armor, I guess. Because he he just brings another dimension to this midfield, which I don't think Barkley or Kovacic can do that. So I think yeah. Chelsea are going to end up in the top four, and uh, Man United are going to end up. So my order is going to uh, be City, Liverpool, Chelsea, Man United. So you're thinking Chelsea is going to finish third despite having Liverpool away and Man United away. I think they are going to take so, points off Liverpool this week. I think it's going to be a draw this week. I don't see Liverpool uh, beating Chelsea. But considering Chelsea's Chelsea's form against the big six away from home hasn't been great, do you still think that? They can pull it off some somehow against Liverpool. See, I I actually I think uh, Chelsea are quite good. Uh, like not away from home, but I think they are in good form currently. They won yesterday in the Europa League of Football. So they have been on. They won four out of four, I guess. So, and Liverpool haven't been performing that well. Means they haven't winning games, but the, it's been coming down to the wire. Like they have won really late games, so that might be playing in. And of course, they have the nerves of winning the title after thirty years. So. That might just play into Chelsea's hand here. So I I I am expecting a draw at Anfield oh, this week. That's interesting. That's and, interesting. Uh, so and it all comes down to then the Chelsea Man United game, which is going to be huge. And uh, what do you think about the fifth and sixth positions? So yeah, uh, Spurs and Arsenal. Right, I think uh, Spurs are going to end up above Arsenal. I, uh, the reason I uh, before uh, like if you would have asked me two weeks before, I would have said Arsenal are going to finish in the top four, but. Just looking at the away form, like it's been so dreadful. Like they were so bad yeah. against Everton away from home that I just don't have confidence in them anymore. Yesterday yeah, they played really well against Watford. Watford are rejuvenated right now. Watford are rejuvenated right now, and Watford are very dangerous right now. And Wolves at home, you know what they did to teams. So. Yeah, Wolves have been superb against top six anyway. Uh, but yesterday they had a great performance against Napoli though. But I don't know how much. Yeah, they're only the good at Emirates. That, that's something that I don't yeah. don't understand. Even in the final days of Arsenal Wenger, it was the same case. Arsenal weren't too good away from home, and they were uh, they were just relying on their home forms. I think uh, that's something Unai Emery needs to sort out. Yeah, so that's of course. Okay, so my final top, uh, my final four is City, Liverpool, Chelsea, Man United, and uh, Spurs, Arsenal. Oh, okay. Cool. So the next question is uh, another pretty straightforward question. It's who's going to win the PFA Player of the Year? Uh, what I want you to do is I want you to rank your top three, and I'll do the same. So take the stage. Okay. So like uh, you want me to rank three, like the top three players who who, yeah, who should, should be win. yeah the best performing players of the season. Okay. 
ओके सो दैट्स एन इंटरेस्टिंग क्वेश्चन ओके सो थोड़ा गो फर्स्ट या डेफिनेटली यस ओके सो आई ऑफ कोर्स हैव टू सिटी प्लेयर्स एंड वन लिवरपूल प्लेयर सो माय एट नंबर 3 आई हैव बर्नार्डो सिल्वा आई थिंक ही इज जस्ट बीन सेंसेशनल दिस सीजन जस्ट इन द एब्सेंस ऑफ केविन डे ब्रोइना हु आई थिंक इज द बेस्ट मिडफील्डर इन द प्रीमियर लीग आई थिंक ही इज ही इज नॉट मेड मैन सिटी मिस हिम व्हिच इज जस्ट been some to prove and he he he's a guy who can play at all different positions he can play as no wing he can play in the midfield he he's great at defensive work and i think whatever pep asks him to do he does amazingly and that's why pep is a great fan of him and he's been sensational i, I don't know how much how to describe him this season it's precision and superb so and uh, yeah. my number 2 is raheem sterling so so i think you know who my number 1 is going to be of course yeah yeah so uh, talking about rhyme sterling like this guy is going to be a superstar man i i predict he's going to win the ballon d'or at least once after messi and ronaldo retire i just really think if he just continues playing like this he's just been so good under pep like last two years his his finishing has improved since his finishing has improved amazingly his on the ball presence is amazing and He just he he he's great at finding space and he's just been superb this season. I just don't know what to say about him. And number one is of course the he's he's probably going to win it. It's Virgil Van Dijk. Like I don't know where Liverpool would have been without him. I seriously don't. Like if you take him out of that Liverpool team, I think it's going to unravel like seriously badly because they depend on him so much for defensive work and he's improved their defense so much. Like. Seriously, it's, he's made Liverpool into. It's probably the best defense in the Premier League. I think they have considered the least goals. So it's if one player can make that much of an effect, I think it just speaks volume about him. Okay, so these are my top three. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I think pretty satisfying. I think from your point of view, I think uh, very very good three choices. And in, in fact, so talking about mine, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just going to say shout out at number four to Eden Hazard. Oh, okay. So Hazard was lot for you. Yeah. Well, I basically had five players to finish in my mind, but since you have just okay, told us to sort out. Okay. Okay. Uh, no. Okay. I'll I'll be fine with uh, top three to be honest. And so, so just starting off, I think at number three, I think I would be putting in uh, Virgil Van Dijk at number three. सीरियसली not to the uh, not to the hype that much media is creating right now about Virgil van Dijk so i think you know uh, he has been uh, very good but i think i even see the one vulnerable parts of virgil van dijk where probably i thought that okay this was this was a moment where i think he could have been caught out uh, by players and he made a certain mistakes certain certain notable mistakes and he 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 was in situations where he could have been easily caught out and you know uh, if you want to give me give me give you examples then you remember the ryan babel goal and stuff like that and uh, and obviously the in the spurs game the sissoko incident i think van dijk was probably not i uh, you know in ret- retracting position and stuff like that 
so but but despite that i think i think he has been absolutely brilliant this season and i think uh, you know to be honest uh, i think he he uh, comes at number 3 for me um so number 2 i was actually very desperate to put in bernardo silva in here but uh, you know i think uh, this this guy needs to come at number 2 it's got to be eden hazard for me because you know because chelsea chelsea this season you no know, where would have they been without eden hazard because this is a guy who's carrying literally a whole team on his shoulders and i think eden hazard for all his criticism by famous youtubers united fans especially uh, <laughs> you know who i mean so yeah. uh, with all due respect to all this criticism he he's the only guy who tries to keep chelsea going i mean like you know people say that uh, this guy's gone missing and stuff like that but uh, you know but, but actually he, he has worked out a lot i mean like for chelsea he, he has been the guy who who can who can be the go to man i mean like without him i think chelsea will will take a serious hit to be honest and i don't know what a dribbler he is and how good he is in linking up play with uh, other people and to be honest um, even in the west ham game i thought like higuain is now try sort of not uh, not very uh, you know good with him you know okay let's stop you know, there for one minute and ask you one question Who do you think yeah. is better uh, in the link-up play with Hazard? Is it Giroud or uh, Higuain? I think it's Giroud. Like he's better. Yeah, I think. Yeah, even I agree because Higuain, to be honest, is very immobile. You know, even even before he came to the Premier League, you know, this is the sort of a question everyone was asking about Higuain that he is very immobile and Premier League mostly requires mobile strikers. And Sari wanted to put in Higuain in a Sari ball system wherein the striker kind of drops in deep and. he can link the wide players uh, into the play so that they can cut in inside and make attacks for the chelsea players and the box to box midfield is obviously coming in and probably creating chances that is what sari ball system was and higuain has not been uh, not been doing that very well his finishing is uh, obviously has not been pretty good to be honest in his overall career and and in the premier league obviously yeah, the premier league pace is kind of uh catching him slow to be honest uh, at the moment and i think yeah i agree to you uh, giroud is a better partner to has or to be uh, to be honest because this uh, even with france he's got those fast players uh, you know putting him balls and he links them really well so i think even if giroud doesn't score goals uh, giroud does the linking job very well so yeah, yeah he holds up the ball better also yeah but i think even as i don't know this guy is just brilliant uh, he has been world class and like yeah probably he, uh, the reason why he's uh, the reason only because he's carrying chelsea on his shoulders and literally chelsea are where uh, they are now at the moment it's just because of eden hazard so i think i will put him at number 2 i think i put bernardo silva on number 4 because uh, you know I, to be honest i've i've watched a bit of him like not uh, as much as you have done because I, i've watched very good games of him especially the liverpool game where you beat uh, liverpool 2-1 he was phenomenal with his work rate you know he's absolutely brilliant bernardo silva obviously can play a lot of positions but i think this season if anyone's going to win it uh, it's got to be raheem sterling to be honest because uh, it's it's probably taken 3 seasons for this guy to you know transform into one of those uh, well renowned uh, world class uh, flair players in uh, european football uh, that pep guardiola is renowned to produce at clubs 
you know, his uh, wherever he's gone, he's uh, brought the best out of his fair player, players. You know, at Bayern, you talk about Iron Robin, Tom Cribbery. At Barca, obviously, I don't have to tell about <laughs> which guy he brought the monster out of uh, with that 91 goal season. And obviously, at City, I think he's done a very, very good job with Leroy Sané and Raheem Sterling. You know, and I, I believe Sané will improve a lot uh, in the coming seasons. And Guardiola, he's got the age by his side. I think he he will uh, be a very, very good player along with Raheem Sterling. And you know he's just going to get better and better. And I think the reason why Raheem Sterling deserves to win it is because uh, for all the stick that he's been getting uh, related to his finishing stuff, whatever you call it, because he was a terrible finisher to be honest uh, till last season. And this season, I think he has taken many of his chances that uh, that he would have probably missed last season. So I think Raheem Sterling has done a very very great job uh, in improving himself, and I think he deserves to win it to be honest. Yeah. So okay, we're done with this question. So this next question is gonna be great for you, obviously. And many people ask me this. In fact, many of my friends like message me saying, uh, "Please cover this uh, question." It's uh, the question is, what are the signings that Man United need to make to become to con uh, like uh, to contest for the title next week next year, basically. Uh. You know what? You're gonna spoil my spoil my podcast. You know, I, I planned a whole lot of podcasts on this stuff. But yeah, okay. So, uh, so this brief. question is like, yeah, let's yeah. So you can, just intro, you can just get an intro in this one. Yeah. Anyway, I'm yeah. gonna do a detailed one. So yeah, that's an intro. So basically, look. Uh, there's a difference, okay? So basically, people are telling uh, if United want to win a title, they need five signings. And if United want to, you know, be like City and Liverpool, you know, uh, who are virtual quadruple contenders, I know Liverpool don't concentrate that much on cups, but if they can uh, put in some fours on those cups, I think they can probably, you know, have a good go at them. But if they, if people are, when people term uh, United need to become like City and Liverpool, I think that will require probably seven to eight signings from maybe nine. And a huge squad, uh, you know, probably clear out, you know. And if they just want to be Premier League contenders, then I think five to six signings at minimum is actually what's required at Man United. And whom do you say? Uh, so, is there any budget limit that I've got uh, in selecting my players, or I can just go run right anything like that? Okay, before that, I think we should just uh, go position by position. What do you say? Like. Oh, like yeah, that's why I'm asking. Uh, is there any budget limit in this squad building or? Uh, I don't know. Like go... you should know, like how much is the United budget? I guess I don't okay, have any so... idea about that. Okay, so I think um, okay, let's let's keep the budget to 300 300 million. Uh, apologize if I exceed it, but okay, I'm just uh, keeping a rough figure up to 300 million. So talking about a right back. Yeah, definitely a right back. Um, we've got to get someone like a Thomas Munia or probably a Aaron Van Bissaka. Aaron Van you know, Bissaka is the outstanding guy. Yeah, yeah. the top. Yeah, but uh, you know there, there's obviously another debate that uh, Van Bissaka is another young player. He's got development uh, left in him, and at the same time we've got Diogo Dalo as well. Uh, and Diego Dalo, Dalo is developing at a very fast rate. I think he's he's playing very well whenever he's playing. Uh, you know, I I'm liking his performances. 
So, but uh, the reason why, uh, despite Dalo being at Man United, you need Van Bissaka is because Luke Shaw is the only player who can uh, play at left back. You know, beyond Luke Shaw, you don't have any proper replacement for left back. And I think after the Barcelona game, now I'm definitely sure that if you can chuck in Diogo Dalo at left back, then he can play it. So, uh, main, mainly, uh, so you can rotate Dalo between right and left back. So, it's basically the right back that we have got to sort out. And I think that and Van Bissaka is someone who, who would be my first choice. And if I can get him, it's absolutely uh, amazing because he's got to be costly. Yeah, sorry? He's got to be costly though. Like, Crystal Palace yeah, he's going yeah, to cost guess. probably 50 or 60 uh, at, at the best, yeah, I think. Because yeah. Yeah, they'll, they'll earn a lot of money for him. So, yeah, but uh, uh, but Aaron Van Saka, considering his interception stats, they're ridiculously good. I mean, like, some say stats are very deceiving, but like, but uh, this is something that doesn't deceive uh, many uh, facts, to be honest. You know, because he's intercepting the ball so many times, uh, that, that means that he's literally nullifying his side of attack. So, that's, I think, absolutely ridiculous, I think. Mariner can have a go at Aaron Van Bissaka. But I think uh, right now, considering Dalo's development, I think uh, Thomas Munia wouldn't be a bad option as well. So, okay, but still, I'll go with Van Bissaka for 60 uh, at right back. Then it comes to uh, the centre-back position, which obviously many people are interested to know. So, obviously, Kalidu Kulibali is the first name that... Okay, firstly, come. can I just uh, throw out a name there? Can I just yeah, throw out a name? I think... Matthias Dillett... No, no. Or no, I think if Man United can get Samuel Ampiti, I think they should go all out, all guns blazing for him. Because, uh, uh, he, I think Barcelona, uh, they they are they are hinting on a big overall in the summer because they they are they 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 have said that they want to sell 300 million worth of assets, and I think Ampiti is one of those people because they already have a great list of centre backs. Like if Delic comes in, then it's basically Delic, Longley, PK, and. Uh, I can't remember another yeah. guy. He's also pretty good. But I think Umtiti is very, yeah, Umtiti is very good. But you know what? His injury, his injury record is not uh, that good. To be honest, he's injured half the time. You know, we don't want another Phil Jones. To be honest, who, who comes on and just injures his leg in two minutes and then he's out for probably 10-20 games. You know, uh, uh, has not played consistently this season. Uh, he's been very injury prone, and I think. Uh, Woodward should not gamble by bringing an injury injured players. And I think, uh, but uh, why? What? If you can yeah. get, um, if you can keep MTT fit, I think he can be the Virgil Van Dyke of Man United. Because he's like equally good. I think they, I think he's equally as good as Van Dyke. Because last year he was one of the best centre backs in the world, probably in the top three. Like yeah, last year, he was phenomenal. Yeah. Even for Barcelona last year, like he was superb. Because yeah. so I think if they can keep him fit, I think he'll be one of the best centre backs. In the world, probably like if I think yeah, but fitness is the issue. Like there, there are many players, you know, who people say that if this player had been fit, then he would have been one of the greatest ever. You know, you can put Gareth Bale in that category. You know, I I even used to put Phil Jones in that category when uh, he he used to play in 2012 and 13. You know, because Sir Alex Ferguson just termed that. He could be Man United's best ever signing, and then he used to put in consistent performances. And uh, you know, I, I looking at his performances, I used to say if injuries did not exist, he would have been the best centre back of England. And uh, you know, I, and and you know, I used to remind people the fact that whenever Phil Jones plays, you don't concede more than two goals. I, I've never seen that. 
but ever since uh, you know jose morinho came in and you know <laughs> phil jones uh, you know got more and more injured he's been uh, becoming terrible and terrible so i think i don't you uh, know man united wouldn't shouldn't gamble with a injury prone prone player no matter how good he is because ultimately he's going to be out for half the games so uh, you know the money is not worth it uh, and and probably not having a center back to be honest so i think kalidu kuriwali we should get him at any cost you know why because in his whole career of probably 11 years uh, as of now in his whole 11 years career he's been only injured for 10 days in his whole career and that to those 10 days uh, were in the 2012 and 13 seasons uh, at some uh, club i don't remember exactly so he's only been injured for 10 days in his whole career and he's been fit all this time and he's been consistently playing like 45 to 50 games a season for uh, clubs that is that he has been not uh, napoli and probably i don't know the other club uh, he has been at so i think kulibali and obviously he's got a huge amount of pace his physique is amazing his ball delivering uh, ability is amazing he eats the game really really well and you know uh, he's very very good in the air which is something that we need and he's very dominating and i think the you know when you talk about kalidu kulibali the game that only comes to my mind is the liverpool game the liverpool versus napoli game i know salah uh, dribbled past him and scored the goal but i think in that game he was absolutely brilliant and that was probably one of those games that i had uh, watched kalidu kulewale closely so i think um, yeah but i think kulibali is a must and i think to be honest i've done transfer research you know i as i was just telling you before starting the podcast that i was doing some research and i was preparing some stuff for uh, doing it to my podcast and I, i think i did a good amount of research on uh, transfer budgets and how they work and uh, work out with respect to the contract clauses and etc and kulibali we can get him for 80 80 million and 85 at max uh, so i think kulibali uh, we have got to get him you know but the only concern with kulibali is he is 27 years old and he's going to turn 28 in probably june and uh, you know if you compare his age and van dyke's age there's just got a difference of one one month so and what happens with center backs is as they approach 30 years of age uh you know they they start sort of declining you know i've seen this with botongan and alvarez very very much uh, they are at spurs so i've seen that with them and even vincent company i've seen uh, it uh, very much you know injuries and stuff like that you know that uh, leads to declination in your game so that's my only concern but i think if you got a challenge for the title at the immediate uh, fs i think kulibali is the ready made product that's out there world class and you can just straight away get him put him in the team and he'll just be amazing that that's what i believe uh and if if you know kulibali is not available due to one of those reasons that i just mentioned then i think milan skriniar is the next option or maybe matias delit but delit is probably more costlier than so i think skriniar would be available to barcelona very, i think delit is yeah, going delet, to barcelona yeah delit also wants to probably go to barcelona so i think um skriniar is an, another good option uh, that i would like to keep up for backup so i think kulibali Yeah, Srinivas will be 10, yeah, 10 so or 15 million cheaper than Koulibaly. What I thought was, uh, instead of Koulibaly, like he's 85, so I think in that price, I think you can get Milan Srinivas and plus one young centre back like Akanji. I think 
will be quite good. So yeah, but if you can get but two centre backs, the problem is not getting centre. Like see, the uh, the reason why I, I thought even I had considered one of these options that you're consider, uh, telling me right now. But the reason why I didn't do that is because uh, right now we've got about five centre backs: Eric Bailly, Marcus Rojo.
be a person I'd like to throw up. Like, if you want a great player in the Premier League, like, who's good and he was probably gettable, I think Christensen from Chelsea would be quite good, I think. Because he, yeah, I don't think he's going to get in the squad anytime soon and Sari doesn't, like, value him much also. So, I think you can get him for cheap. Plus, he's quite good, I think. Uh, but look, Christensen, uh, I know where, where you got this Christensen idea from because I even heard that, uh, you know, source from where you got this idea of getting cracked, Anders Christensen. But I purely believe that Anders Christensen is a, system, a player who depends on system. You know, there are uh, there are players in football, you know, who perform uh, perform according to the system that the team plays. You know, uh, for example, take Nemanja Matic. You know, put him in a system where you play two CDMs and he'll be very, very good. One CDM will act as a CDM and as well as a box-to-box midfielder. A best example, Chelsea, uh, when they won the title with Kante and Matic. And another player is, uh, as I was just mentioning, uh, Andreas Christensen. He's just a back three player. And Man United, if you talk about long-term, the best formation, it's, it's got to be 4-3-3. And, uh, you know, Christensen doesn't fit on a back four for me. Uh, so, I think Christensen, yeah, he's a good defender. But I think in, in a back four, I think I think we can, we can have better options than Christensen. And uh, in the and Premier League, like below the top six also, I think there are some good centre-backs. Like Issa Diop from West Ham. Yeah. Issa Diop from West Ham was someone I considered like very, he was quite good. And uh, another guy, Fabian Scher from Newcastle was another guy. Newcastle, yeah. Yeah, so I think they might be good options. But the reason I'm putting out this uh, like cheap centre-back options that I, I think there are bigger problems. I think Man United midfield is quite a big problem as well because apart from Paul Pogba, I think I don't have faith in anyone else. Like I don't think Ander Herrera is quite good and Matic is not getting any younger. So I think like if you can uh, like what do you say, save money on centre-backs, I think midfield is one of one place like where you can invest quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. It's it's all about opinion, you know. So, uh, but like, yeah, centre back. You know, it's all about look. Uh, you've got to keep investing time after time. That's uh, that's now how the market works, to be honest. And yeah, midfield is an area I think United should be investing if they want to compete. Obviously, they've got to invest mainly in defense and midfield. And I think, uh, the, you know, firstly, saving money is not what United should be doing, you know, because United are one of the richest clubs in the world. You know, their annual turnover is the highest in world football every year. They yeah. earn about, what, 600, 700 million uh, a year. And I think, you know, instead of Edward Wood eating up all the money, they didn't even spend a hundred million last uh, in this uh, summer window you know, of 2018-19. Yeah, so that, that was surprising. They've got enough like, money, so I think money, money city, shouldn't. Yeah, you're looking yeah, at money Okay, yeah. So yeah. I was just saying, you look at City and Liverpool. You just see, like they put huge investments in. Like City has spent uh, 250 mil, I think, since Guardiola came. Some somewhere around that. Uh, like bigger and even uh, Liverpool have spent like around 200 mil since Klopp came so like you need big investments so United must not shy from that like you were saying yes I completely agree I think there's one 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 more thing that the manager should be uh, you know uh, 
capable to identify who's a good player to just come into the squad and uh, you know the investment yeah that, that's what that was uh, trying to get into one of my podcasts uh, that I'm going to do later that uh, the, the, just to save the transfer budget i think the manager should also have a player in mind who who would come in the budget that the board is offering and obviously will fix problems with the team i think klopp has done that guardiola has done that and i think they've been successful at that yeah and so i would just like to take a break uh, for a minute and i'll just uh, tell you about my midfield okay 